You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated and Pete Sampson of The Athletic. I'm Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated. It's September 24th. We're calling it Postponement Thursday. No game this weekend against Wake Forest due to a few too many positive tests for Notre Dame and the contact tracing that goes with it. Notre Dame and Wake Forest will play on December 12th. At least that's the plan right now. Notre Dame with 13 players in isolation, 10 in quarantine. Where do we go from here, guys? What the re- you wait for the results of Notre Dame's testing on Wednesday. Um, you know, the, the 10 in quarantine, talking to people around Notre Dame, I'm not sure that number has not grown, um, you know, in the last 24 hours or the last 48 hours because the number that Notre Dame published at 10 had the caveat, like they're still trying to get to the bottom of how deep contract tracing goes. So that's, I mean, this was before you could reschedule Wake Forest at all. You had to know what were you missing? Um, And I think that that's, hopefully that's a question Notre Dame has answered now, um, even though they haven't released that data, but it is, it is a lot. It is significant. And, And on that topic, Pete, we kind of were told yesterday that there'll be three or four more positives from the Wednesday test. And at first I was like, you know, man, again, but that's probably as you're talking about from the 10 contact tracing, three to four yeah, more positives. I mean, yeah. So it, it's contact yeah. tracing. Yeah. Some of those turn out to be positives later. Sure. Sure. So if it's Monday and you have three to four more positives or next Wednesday and you have three to four more positives, then there's a giant issue. But I, I do expect that to be right. There's only three or four more positives announced from yesterday. Yeah. Session. This week. I don't necessarily know right. about next week. No, you don't, you can't have that next week because then you're starting to get closer to game week again and yeah. it's just not going away. Yeah. That, um, you know, and this is still going to impact Florida state week, if not Florida mm-hmm. state game, um, you know, and the facility is closed right now. So, you know, it's just, I mean, it's not a good situation. It's not dire. It's something that you can pick up the pieces from and move forward and be ready for Florida State, but you're still going to be, you're still going to be compromised in preparation for Florida State. Yeah, it's, Florida yeah. State's a program where their head coach tested positive. So he's, you know, he's not coaching this weekend in their game against Miami. It's, you know, this is something that everyone is dealing with to different degrees. Just Notre Dame's Notre Dame's degree of difficulty went from, I think, just sort of like, I don't know, a, a low boil to a massive, massive problem, um, you know, that you, you suddenly can't play a football game. We said on Monday, I think I used the word potentially disastrous. Yeah. Um, I, I really thought the bye week was going to do it from human nature perspective. You know, you let your guard down a little bit. You've played three games. You come home, you celebrate, you have a week off anyway. I honestly thought it's kind of like, kind of like when it's a rest weekend, uh, graduation weekend under normal circumstances. That was kind of going to be the little bit. Uh, let's. There's no reason we can't go out Saturday night when we get home, right? We have two weeks for and like, I'm just surprised it happened. Uh, basically, in between week one and week two, and following a little bit of week two, that's it's premature from what I would have guessed for uh, standard human behavior. We had. I- I had been told yesterday that they were going to try to reschedule Wake Forest for November. When I looked at November and found that it all slotted pretty well, uh, hey, we're you know we're we're a daily website, so I put together a story, and I told Jack at eight, eight, eight in the morning, get that sucker up because I don't know how much of a shelf life it's going to have. And as it turned out, it was probably about two hours or so before Notre Dame put out a release. But that was Wake Forest has a buy on the seventh of November. 
Clemson has a bye on the 14th, and Notre Dame and Boston College both have a bye on the 21st. So it seemed logical that that would be a, a solution, but it, it would appear, uh, and this is, coincides with Virginia, Virginia Tech being moved to December 12th, that they're choosing to move these kind of cancellations to the 12th, leave that extra weekend open for those with a bye in November. And I think that's most of the schools, right? But not all of them. Um, and then if now if something were to happen again, you would, I think you would have to dip into something similar to the scenario that I painted yesterday in the story, but, uh, it's December 12th. Uh, so now we, unless those can somehow be moved up and Pete, you said Virginia, Virginia tech is moving up because from November to September. Okay. Cause okay. Cause Virginia's playing, um, Duke this weekend. They were, yeah, they're right, playing Duke right, this weekend. Right. Um, you know, they were supposed to play Virginia Tech early in the season, but Virginia Tech is a mess. Um, so that's, you know, they've had a couple games go. You know, it's, it's, you know, once you get in these conference only games, I think you have a lot more flexibility um, to move things around. You know, the, I, I mean, we all knew this wasn't going to be easy. I know that football starts and everybody thinks, okay, everything's rolling, everything's going to be okay, but that's human nature. To react that way. And the reality is, I mean, we were all pretty sure that things like this were going to crop up. We felt good about Notre Dame's situation because they had been so vigilant since the middle of June. But it, it, it really, I mean, it literally takes the, you know, the 84th and 85th guys on the team, and, and even it could even be lower than that, walk-ons to, to throw a wrench into things. Yeah, I mean, I think it did in August, it just matters a little more now. I mean, you know, the, this, <coughs> I, I don't, I don't really blame people for going out that first weekend when they came back from not seeing anybody for five months and maybe the bye week I wouldn't have either. I just find it. We have a question about how embarrassing it is for Notre Dame. It's surprising that it's, that it's happening right now for Notre Dame. Also uh, awkward for Brian Kelly's book that's on sale for nine ninety nine about how to beat COVID that he talked about in his podcast, <laughs> or I'm sorry, in his webinar with us. I thought when you but, said, yeah. I thought, seriously? <laughs> no. I mean, it was tongue, it was tongue in cheek, but <laughs> the yeah. question, you know, it's not, a, it's too a little too fluid of a situation. It's like saying whatever we say in this podcast is gospel and we are right because in four hours they could have 27 positives and cancel the well, season. So the shelf life here might be low again. We don't know. You know, you know, I don't, they're not going to have 24 They, they won't, but you know, you, you, hey, last Monday we weren't talking about it either when they had I mean, I know. You know that. Yeah, but there were, but there were some. We know that there were some undercurrents that were telling us this could get sure, bad. Sure. This could get bad next week. So it didn't catch us completely by surprise. But you know that Brian Kelly has reminded his players over and over and over again. And anybody that's ever coached knows that you can remind players over and over and over again. And a lot of times, it really doesn't matter. I mean, that was. I don't know if you saw. You know, for how much time we spent on Brian Kelly's halftime speech that NBC aired, his post-game speech. The post-game where he emphasized Way more revealing. What, right, right. Because at the beginning of the speech, he says, hey, Mike, put your mask on. You're in a locker room with, I don't know, 85 people, and you have to tell someone to put their mask on. And then he goes on to say, hey, it can't be the coaches to remind you guys to wear your masks all the time. You guys have to do it yourself. So, you know. Whether you want to say Brian Kelly failed to have that message land or the players failed to listen to it, there, there clearly is a failure to follow the protocols at all times, which is ultimately what this takes. The failure for a message to land happens 99 out of 100 times. 
I mean, it just does. It just does. That's just, it's just human nature. You preach and preach and preach and they only listen to what they want to hear and what fits into, into their life and their lifestyle. Yeah. It was always, we had a pretty actually spirited, but uh, not political discussion about this on the message board this week. I agree. There's many things you can do. Like Tom Loy mentioned, maybe the players, parents shouldn't come visit with them. That's an option. It's a difficult one. Maybe the players shouldn't get it an Uber. That's an option. People don't want to do that. They want to go somewhere. Maybe the players shouldn't go to a party other than with their four roommates at their own house. That's an option too. All of these things are options. All of these things put together are hard to follow and something's going to go wrong. It's, it, even if you're all in a dorm, you're locking them in a dorm. Are you locking them in one dorm for the whole year? They can't go anywhere. Well, that, that, that gets into our questions in the second yeah. segment, which, which we will get into, but I mean, you know, okay, parents want to come to games. I get that. But don't allow contact with your kids. The rest of the student body, generally speaking, isn't having face-to-face contact with their parents during the semester. So I'm sure the football players can, if the parents want to come and they put bring them in a separate entrance and keep them away. But, I mean, I thought that was a good suggestion by Tom Law. I mean, why, why do they have to have close contact with their kids? The rest of the student body isn't having that with their parents either. Yeah, I would just say – Mine would be test daily and make sure everyone lives in a single. That you know, if if Notre Dame could get every football player to live in a single, contact tracing would almost be eliminated. That to me, talking to people at Notre Dame, that is the single biggest issue here is your roommate is positive, therefore you're wiped out for two weeks. Yeah. So don't don't have roommates. That that was the that was probably the step Notre Dame needed needed to take a little bit more vigilantly than they did. You know, in the, in the testing daily, as Brian Kelly has referenced, offensive linemen, defensive linemen being tested daily. I'm sure Ian Book gets tested more than just three times a week. Like, that's probably a, a, a adaptive change that you sort of adjust as you learn more and more about it. That's that's something that I think Notre Dame could, is probably going to have to do moving forward as well. And it's hard to blame them because their effort was – uh, once they could not get the athlete dorm for the year, their effort was, all right, well, let's get everybody off campus so they're not mixing with yeah. all the students. And we thought, there's a good idea. Six guys in a room. Those six guys can stay together, but those six guys don't stay together. That's the issue. It's There's no easy fix. It's not like you can say Notre Dame should have had a single available for everybody starting in August. We never we never came up with that in August either. You know, But it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> yeah. It sure does now. We will come back for segment two and guess what kind of questions we'll have to start. We'll have some more COVID-related questions, but we will talk football in segment two, burning up the boards. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. Segment two, burning up the boards, Irish Illustrated Insider. First question from N.D. Hawk. 58 on a scale of one to 10, how embarrassing is this for Notre Dame? You know, I, I'm not going to put a number on it. I would just say it is. Um, Cause I, I, I think you sort of lose the plot once you're like, well, it's a level three embarrassing or a level eight embarrassing. It's, it's not zero. Um, I think what is way more important is how Notre Dame reacts to this. Um, because if they don't react in the right way, then the season is, is in serious jeopardy. Um, I, I think that, you know, if, if you want to fixate on embarrassment or sort of that reactionary vibe, like the fact that 30% of active cases in the Notre Dame community are football players is bad. 
Like that it's, is a bad statistic. Um, and that's, that's something Notre Dame football needs to get to the bottom of and really take ownership of. It's ridiculous. And it go, flies in the face of these poor football players being stuck with everybody in their dorms and classes. I mean, that's clearly not the issue right now. We've been trying to say that's not the issue. But how do you have that happen? And we've talked about it off the air. Save our season. Your season was saved by the Notre Dame student body. You started playing. Yeah. And then you threw it back in their face. I mean, that's really the question I want to ask either Swarbrick or Kelly is like, how, how do you reconcile the fact that there's an outbreak on your football team, but not, but the campus is incredibly stable. No, that, and that's, that's fair. I mean, I think embarrassment is, is affixed by people on the outside, generally speaking. Sure. Yeah. But it's I think, you know, yeah. right. But I think what you guys are saying is absolutely true from the standpoint of comparing it to the general student body. And Tim, you make an excellent point that, they made an impassioned plea to help save the football season. And we're, we're certainly not there yet. And, and fortunately it actually, Tim, fortunately you talked about happening between game one and game two, and you thought it would happen during the bye week. They're better off than it did. Better off yeah. now that it yeah. did, because it does give them some cushion until October 10th. And I, and you know, I mean, I have, a high degree of confidence that the right things are going to be done between now and October 10th. And that will help them uh, put them in a position to play. I, I don't like, you know, the whole embarrassment thing. That's, you know, whatever somebody else on the outside, you want to determine that go right ahead because you're not accountable for anything that's happening with Notre Dame football. So if you want to say that's embarrassing and you're embarrassed as a Notre Dame fan, have at it, man. It's a, the weirdest. The bye week came at a good time. Example of, of in the history of college. <laughs> I, wrote, I know. I wrote about. I wrote about that. Never, never has the bye week come at a, officially a good time, but it actually did this. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Next question is from IC Gold. With what you've heard about how this outbreak within the team happened, do you expect any players to end up in Brian Kelly's quote-unquote traits doghouse that could permanently impact their standing within the team? I'm lumping general selfish acts in with the more traditional traits. It's a, it's an interesting question and they are two different quote traits yeah. involved, but I would say that if you're a person that has had issues, if there have been issues between you and the coaching staff in the past, and then you have now contributed to this situation, you know, I mean, coaches are human too, man. They're going to react accordingly. Now, will that prevent you from ever playing or being a, being a significant part of the equation on the football field. I don't know about that, but you know, if you've had some issues before, it's only natural for a coach to say again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think we sort of know players who have had it, who've, who've played. So it's not a situation where if you get it, then every reaction from the coaching staff is the same, right? You know, it's, it's, it's more about your behavior and how much you put yourself or others at risk opposed to positive yes or negative. Yeah, and I think uh, if you are known to have done a bunch of dumb things and then tested positive, it's probably a little worse for you than if you just come up positive. I mean, you can't, you, you know, you could get it. You could do a bunch of dumb things. That's not how you got it. I, I put this example out once. I, I blame the Petri dish bus ride from Tulsa to Dallas on my flu. I could have gotten the flu eating lunch with my friends the next day. You know, I mean, it, it's, mm -hmm. you don't know where you get these things. You can, you can trace some things pretty well if you were uh, playing football and practicing football and doing virtual classes. And then you went to a party for an entire night. I can guess where you <laughs> got it, but you know, 
it's 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 kind of hard to blame so it's hard to assign blame unless you really know but i think i also agree with tim but if you're a guy that makes a lot of mistakes and you're second and a half string you're probably going to be uh less than second and a half string when they come back jim or uh jim booney crs from traits to it's hard to win football games to all the way back to rkgs what is your least favorite brian kelly coach speak phrase RKGs is really bad. I only have thought about it ever again because of the hilarious Twitter follow that gave us the right kind of German and Alec, Alexander Ehrensberger. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. Which is more pertinent now than ever. <laughs> yes, it's now pertinent. RKGs was something I, I – it was so lame, I totally ignored it. So that's not mine. I never – when I read it in a sentence, I skipped over it and didn't think it. When he said it, my mind went blank. I never thought of RKGs in my life. So I can't go with that one. Hats in the box bothered me a lot more. Ooh, uh-oh, I just got a new one. Yeah. Forgot about that's, that. That's at the top of my list. Hats in the box. RKGs is, is the, the still clear winner for me. Um, you know, I, I know people sort of took it the wrong way, but it was made to be taken the wrong way. It was just too generic and kind of cheesy. And it felt like an excuse sometimes for like, hey, you know, we can't get the players in that you want but then you see some of the guys that are recruiting in those early classes and you're like wait a minute you know what how how much do you actually stand like traits traits bothers people yeah. because it holds out players who are really athletic but it's exactly. means something like it means something yeah well you know what it means 35 and 6 it does that's, and that's and, what it means and tim you've made this point and i don't think people listen to it he said before traits ever came out I ignored traits for talent in 2016. I will never do that again. And as you say, 35 and six. So it is a thing. And Pete, you make the best point of all. Traits impacted Kevin Stefferson, Dexter Williams, and Kevin Austin. So if it was Jimmy Byrne, Brandon Tiasum, and someone else, nobody would have cared about the traits. The, uh, the it's hard to win football <laughs> games. I'm telling you that one of my phrases before I even knew Brian Kelly was it's hard to win baseball games. It, just, it, it is. It's even harder when you're in Notre and doing football <laughs> than it is high school baseball. I, that, that bothers much I'm me aware because of. someone always wins the game. Like, yeah. it's not that hard. Like, every game has a winner. Why can't yeah. it be you? Do you ever – have you coached 18 games against Penn High School? Yeah. <laughs> like, that may be some different uh, – what about the chart? Like, I have you a chart. Get, you want to guess what? A chart is held up? Oh, the chart's bad. Yeah. Oh, the chart. Yeah, yeah, the chart is bad. But I want to read something. And, and you know, like if traits bother you, they're always going to bother you. I'm not going to be able to, to convince anybody otherwise. But I want to read a quote from Dalen Hayes on June 19th. And he said, what separates our team from a lot of teams in the country is our accountability is through the roof. Coach is the last line of defense. We owe each other the same standard. The standard is the standard. That means when I go into the weight room, and I give everything I've got, that's no longer enough. It's my job to hold my brother accountable. That's the bond we've made to each other. We stand together. If there's a problem, we'll handle it. That is traits. And that's why Notre Dame is 35 and 6. Al Pent G? Is that what you're saying? Alp? Al Pent G. Good question, though. How close are we to having Notre Dame cancel the season? Pete, go ahead. I, I feel like it is within the realm of possibility, um, which is not to say that it's close. I'm just, it is a possibility. I, I would agree with that. And I think that this is as, 
as have been so many steps along the way since the middle of June when they came back, we, we will judge this. Okay, so there are, today's Thursday, there are 16 days before they play again. We will start judging this on a daily basis. We'll have a different opinion on 13 days. It was like our podcast, Tim. Yeah. yeah. Days we thought they'd play at 25. We didn't, blah, blah, blah. You know, 10, 8, 5. We'll know as we go along. And I think it's going to improve dramatically because it has to improve dramatically or the season will be in danger. So I have a lot of confidence that that the players will try very hard now to do the right thing and try to listen to their head coach as he preaches the same message that he's been preaching all along. But to say it's not going to happen or it's not within the realm of possibility, it's pandemic. Anything's possible. Air Pirate 73. Was it, <laughs> what is it with these crybaby COVID questions? I want to know which freshmen or redshirt freshmen have earned the right to get regular playing time against Florida State. A lot of them, because they're in the right to get playing time against Duke, too. Uh, Tyree and Mayer and Kyron Williams. Uh, since then, Jack Kaiser and Clarence Lewis. Jordan Batello, also just pending availability of positions. you know. But Jordan Batello can help you in some way. He's going to play every special team because he's a maniac, and he should play every special team. Uh, pending availability of cornerbacks, Cam Hart has earned a right to get in there again. I got a list here. I'm crossing them off as you yeah. say them. But uh, there's some really good redshirt freshmen and freshmen contributing to the team now. Uh, if you're looking for outside the box, I'm not sure anybody but Patello and Lewis jump in. Kaiser, obviously. Well, <laughs> but, uh, under the radar, Patello. Yeah, Fos- 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 Fosky, but he was, he was great right away, and I too. Was, and I would say Leofau, too. I thought he showed enough in the first game that, you know, he's, he's right there. I really only have Pete, Pete's down to <laughs> – not a lot of options for me. Guys. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say Howard Cross. I, in fact, I thought he should have played more snaps than than Mills did. I know a lot of people would say Aaronsberger. I wouldn't anticipate. And he made he made a great play, and he showed a lot of alertness and aggressiveness for the first time in the the big big stage. So that's impressive. But I'm not sure that they're looking at him as a guy that's ready to get a whole bunch more playing time. I think we we've pretty much listed everyone who's played. Yeah. Um, with the exception of Offord and Henderson, which I would still sort of put back in the oven, as Brian Kelly likes to sort of say. Yeah, Equine on special geez. teams has been really good. Yeah, I mean, Clarence Lewis was just phenomenal. So that's <laughs> he's in. All right, this is a good one on this question. Um, don't project it all to next year. Who is the best redshirt freshman or freshman you have seen this year? Don't say like Fossey's going to be a great pro, you know, but just they're, how they're going to be all of 2020. Like who's going to have the best 2020? Yeah. That your question? Yeah. Clarence Lewis. I think Kyron Williams if we with redshirt freshman still. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting Kyron Williams is a redshirt yeah. freshman. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I can add anybody that's any, any mm-hmm. different than there. I, I, think, I, I think Clarence Lewis is a special talent. I really do. I mean, you don't you don't play with the fundamental skills that he showed the other day. Yeah. Uh, and we have a question on Mike milk Mickens and the, the defensive backs, but I give, I mean, I think Clarence Lewis came in and they were like, Holy crap. Look at this guy. That's uh, gotta be fun once in a while too. When you're coaching. Yeah. Especially for, you know, for a corner cause corner's so complex and yeah. you got to play balanced and you got to, you know, coverages and adapting to the route and, 
you know, it's, he was really, really impressive Saturday. Wilms won. Do you think Jack Kaiser jumps from scout team to starter? Any concerns about him being too small against really elite teams like Clemson? This was the argument about Joe Schmidt several years ago. Smart, but with a ceiling that isn't elite. I think we said this on Monday. I, you know, I'd start him. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that I would say that's our starter. You other guys are still clearly in the running. We're going to get you in the game, but Kaiser got a shot and he played great. He's our starter until something happens differently. I would agree. I also would say he's much rangier and taller than Joe Schmidt ever was. Yeah, Joe Schmidt. Yeah. Contrary, if you go back, I think Joe Schmidt doctored this. I, I think he has something to do with this. Go back and go to the Nordane website and look at their rosters from 2014, 2015. Joe Schmidt is listed as six foot five. I swear <laughs> to God. I swear he is. He's listed. As six I think they five. meant six foot and a half. I, I think that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Well, 6.5. If you go to, if you go to, a, a, if you go, if you Google Joe Schmidt, you get 5'11, 235, to be mm. honest with you. And Jack Kaiser officially is 6'1 and 5'8, 227. I know he plays with a level of physicality where I just, was there at any, and I know they're playing South Florida, but was there any point in that game on Saturday where we thought, yeah, but he's a little bit, a little small, not, not, you know, he could, he's not big enough to be more physical. I never, I never got that impression watching him play. I think I'd take it so far to say he's the person I'm least concerned about of the buck linebackers against Florida state. Cause I know he knows what to do and how to do it fast. It doesn't matter if somebody's 10 pounds bigger than him right now. Clearly. I mean, if Shane Simon could play football like Jack Kaiser, that would be cool. Well, what's Shane yeah, Simon? Shane. 230? Shane Simon he just looks stronger. Like he could, no, I, no, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's taller, but yeah. But he's, I don't, I mean, the, the problem with Clemson is they might be better than most of Notre Dame's players sometimes, and that's what you can run into problems yeah. with. And then it but doesn't matter who you buck on. Yeah, I like, think it's Jack Kaiser's fault anymore. <laughs> NDFB Skycam, will Jordan Botello kill another punter this this year? <laughs> I don't know. If, is the ball snapped over the punter's head? Is the punter 30 years old? Then, yeah, that's probably, unfortunately, that, that's going to happen again. Wait, you're saying the 30-year-old had difficulty getting back to the I'm football? I'm saying, yeah, at 30 compared to 19, I just not quite as spry. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I did not know he was 30 until I did the film review. I was like, wait, what? He was older than both OCs. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. You know, yeah, you know, Charlie Weiss Jr. and Reese are the only two. Are, is, it, is it offensive coordinators or just coordinators in general in the FBS that are under 30? Pretty amazing. I, that's I think Patella will kill another punter or maybe two or three because he thinks it feels good. Yeah. He might, might get a flag, it. might not. Yeah, he might well, get a flag, right. he might not. He'll just go hit a punter. Maybe, he'll, maybe he'll hit a, a snapper. He just hits I mean, we know that's absolutely his nature. And and again, great to see great to see a guy, a young guy, get out there and play that aggressively. I, I can see him absolutely roughing a punter. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. He's going to do yes. he's, he's going to rough yes. somebody. No, no doubt about it. But that's a, that's a good thing. You want to keep that, that asset. <laughs> Kyle underscore Suchpin. How much of a quick fix is getting Kevin Austin back for Florida State or Louisville for the passing offense? What kind of difference maker can he be? I do not see him making a difference against Florida State at all. Um, and playing playing any role against Louisville, I think, would probably be a win right now. Yeah, I would I would agree definitely with um, 
you know, can you have him back for Louisville? Everybody has success against Louisville's defense. You know, that program is going to be held back until they make some changes on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, it's uh, – Because you know what? They got caught out of position a couple times against Miami. And you can't – it's one thing for a player to – not be able to make a play, but when your when your defense is not aligned properly, who's that fall on? I mean that you know that that falls on the decision maker on the defensive side of the football. They're not going to reach their full potential under Scott Satterfield until they get some adjustments made on defense. However, the questions about Kevin Austin, um, difference maker. No, I mean, I, no impact. I mean, I think if he's if he's physically capable capable and healthy enough to be on the field against Florida State. There's some good defensive backs back there, but still he matches up better against them than a lot of Notre Dame's other receivers. So, um, you know, I don't know about quick fix, but you're better off with a healthy Kevin Austin out there. And I think long-term, you know, can he be a difference maker in 2020? Yes, absolutely, if you can get him back out there. First catch. Of relevance, what game? Pittsburgh. I don't know. You that's tell me. That's where I was. That's where you I was. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech. Yeah, that's I, that's probably correct. All things, all things yeah. uh, being equal and considered. Question from me to turnover. More likely future Notre Dame head coach Clark Lee. Well, I didn't say Notre Dame. He actually said more likely future head coach Clark Lee or Tommy Reese. Both Maybe we right. should answer. Maybe we should answer it. Just head coach or future Notre Dame head coach? I would say that, I mean, I'd definitely pick Clark Lee for the first one, just more likely future head coach because it's going to happen a lot faster. Right. Uh, right. Reese, as Notre Dame's head coach, I don't, I mean, we're one year, we're two games into offensive coordinator (laughs) Bill here. So, like, I know this is like a message board thing. Like, Bob Diaco was supposed to be the head coach in waiting. Until Mike Sanford was supposed to be the head coach in waiting, um, so I, you know, Clark Lee. There's we've seen a lot more that, of him as a coordinator than Tommy Reese. So I'll go Clark Lee for however you want to phrase this question. Notre Dame head coach, wherever Clark Lee would is still my answer. Tim, what's their record again? Is it thirty-five and six? Yeah, yeah. If, if those other two years. guys, if those other two guys, Diaco or Sanford, were the actual head coach in waiting, became the head coach in waiting, it would be six and thirty-five if they kept him this long. So uh, I'm not sure about future head coaches at Notre Dame when they're coordinators, but I think they will both be head coaches in college football for sure. Um, and I'll never say someone's going to do a good job until I know where you go, because it's really hard if you go to the wrong spot to succeed. As Tim said, Scott Satterfield is an outstanding coach, and his program is being held back by defense. Why couldn't Clark Lee's new program be held back by offense? Or Tommy Reese's new program be held back in four well, years by good, defense? I mean, there's point. just so many things that go into it but they are two guys that are made to be coaches and head coaches and teachers. And I think Clark, if you, Clark, we could work for NASA if you wanted to. <laughs> I think if you care about what Notre Dame does in football, I think you want Clark Lee. If you had to choose between those two, yeah. Clark Lee, he's older. He's, you know, I mean, I'm not saying Tommy Reese won't be a good head coach, but if you're looking for a successor to Brian Kelly, I would think that if you want good things for Notre Dame, you would want Clark Lee. Or, I, I mean, I'm not saying it, or, you know, some experienced head coach, but choosing between these two at this right. stage, de- definitely Clark Lee. Kevin Cunningham, 667. Any chance Tommy Tremble goes pro early? We, uh, 
Kevin Cunningham asked this question. He's on Twitter and I'm choosing this question because he's a prime candidate to subscribe to Irish Illustrated <laughs> because he wouldn't have asked this question because he would have known that we discussed this many, many times over and that there is a very good chance that, that Tommy Tremble, particularly with the way he's playing football now, that uh, he leaves after this year. He is on a roll. Um, you know, Troy Nicholas left after three years. You know, was that a great decision? I don't know. It's a decision he made. I think Tommy Tremble's certainly trending towards he's going to have a decision to make at the end of the year, which I no way would have expected when the season started. No, I think when we were first told that Tommy Tremble was looking to have a great year and go pro, I thought he could have a really good year, but there's no chance he can go pro. He just won't be known. But it took him two weeks to be one of the more popular tight ends of the country. So if he keeps playing like this, and and by the way, the only possible weakness we were thinking was, could he really go pro at that size and hold up? Looks like it. It's not that size anymore. Yeah. And he He's like Jordan Botello playing a lot and hitting right. people. It's, yeah, well, certainly, I don't, who got more play? Who got more national play last week on the NBC broadcast? <laughs> Tommy Tremble or Jack Kaiser? I mean, yeah, I, probably Trump, probably, probably Tremble a little bit more, but and they earned it. Yes, I mean, they deserved yeah, it. Yeah. But um, you know, and maybe we're reading too much into him wanting to leave. I mean, I'm not, you know, Tommy Tremble hasn't told me he's going to leave after this year, but there are rumblings of that, and he's he's uh, he's playing really good football. Uh, TC Irish. I'm curious who projects to Rover next year. I know that Paul Moala uh, would be a candidate, but what about he'd be a leading candidate? But what about Maris Leofau with the possibility of having him and Kaiser or Simon on the field at the same time? Those are good, good options. Um, you know, Isaiah Pryor will still be here, uh, but I would think that you know Moala would start, and then uh, Prince Kali would be here. I don't, I don't know if a true freshman is really going to unseat veterans, but you know, I, I would think Leofau is yeah. sudden enough and athletic enough that you would want, if you can get him on the field with Kaiser and Drew White, that that would be a good linebacking group. You definitely, Leofau rep there in one spring practice. That's the sample size of seeing Maris Leofau repping, but he did that at Rover. Um, I, I, I should didn't even say this. I should check with either Kevin or Tom mentioned that they heard he, at the very beginning of August, he was also repping there, but that's guys cross training in August and getting, getting reps because you didn't have a, a whole summer of reps, but I, that's where I had Leofau. I like it because selfishly that's where I put Leofau when I did the, watched his film in high school. I thought, there you go. He can play Rover. Um, yeah, but he got bigger I, fast. So. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, I think Leofau is a good candidate for that. I think Mawala can play the position well. I don't think we'll know how well he can play it until we see him play it on a full-time basis sure. or get an opportunity to play it on a full-time basis. I love what Prince Kali brings athletically and his determination and his approach. Um, yeah, I mean, those are all candidates. I guess it's not as flashy as Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. But, um, you know, I don't see any reason why those guys can't be productive at that position. Camp 36, of those who might have the option to declare for the draft or otherwise leave Notre Dame after this year, who do you think are the most likely to return for the 2021 season and take advantage of the extra year of eligibility? I mean, are we sort of answering this question with the free year of eligibility in mind or no? I think we should be. I don't think it's what juniors are leaving. I think it's those seniors that now all of a sudden can come back. Yeah, I don't, man, it, it's hard to project out because initially when that extra year of eligibility came down, the first guy I thought it was Jordan Jen Markeith. You know, hasn't played a lot, get an extra year. 
Um, you know, obviously he bolted and probably used that year somewhere else. But, I, you know, it's I get a bunch of questions about offensive linemen coming back. I don't think there's going to be any of those. Um, you know, certainly an extra year for Josh Lug in 2022 would probably be good. But the offensive line, Ian Book, I don't see any of that. Um, you know, I think it's going to be more of your rotational types of players that would come back than your frontline starters. Yeah. I don't know that I have a good answer to this because I, although we did get a little bit, a little bit of feedback about Haynes, he might want to come back. I, I just find that really hard to believe. I think Aaron Banks is probably at the end of this season is going to be inclined to move on uh, as well. Which is good for Notre Dame because I didn't think Aaron Banks, no matter what his inclination was, would be able to move on at the end of the season, but now he's playing enough where he can be inclined to move on. Boy, you're going to have a, you're going to have a rebuild offensive line with an inexperienced quarterback, unless you go uh, grad transfer at quarterback, which, you know, might be something that they want to give some serious consideration to. Um, I don't know. Josh Lug, Pete, I agree with that. I mean, he, he's a guy that he just, he needs to play. I mean, he just yeah, needs yeah, to, yeah. to play on the college level and get a full-time chance to prove that he's as good as, as we think he is. He's got great size. I, I don't think people realize just, you know, really how big he is and, and how impressive he is physically. How about down the road? We just named him. Uh, speaking of needs to play, Paul Moala would be a good candidate to play. Yeah. Well, that's true. More sure, football. Sure. Absolutely. That's a that's an excellent excellent choice. Uh, moving on to Denver Maximus, the sample size is small and the competition hasn't been very good. But how would you grade the coaching of Mike Mickens so far? What do you see different from the play of these cornerbacks compared to previous years under Todd Light? Is it me, or can these cornerbacks be better than last year's cornerbacks by the end of the year? That's I mean that they had a fourth round pick who I think is playing quite a bit for the Panthers um, last year. So that's a tough comparison, but I, I mean, I would give Mickens, I don't know what a, a minus. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been outstanding so far. I mean, the fact that they have Clarence Lewis playing as well as he is, even against South Florida. I mean, that's one of those development developmental stories that, you know, you don't need to add any qualification of, Oh, it's just South Florida. Or, oh, South Florida can't pass. Like he plays like he's a, junior who's been starting yeah. for two years um i give a ton of credit for Mick- to mickens for that and bracy was the talk of pro football focus in week one before he was out for week two i mean yeah. this is tim's been high on bracy for a year and a half now it's uh yeah mickens has done a really good job that, that it's not the sample size for me it is it, it, a little bit is the the opponents i mean when you get really really but they did well against duke and chase bryce um who's the first quarterback to I guess Louisville is what's going to test them because they'll be spread out chasing really fast guys, right? I mean, Tamori and Terry for Florida State is a better pro prospect than all these corners are right now, and he's going to jump in the air and catch balls. But I don't think Mickens or Clark Lee will let Florida State's passing game be a game wrecker for Notre Dame's cornerbacks. They will look fine, and Tamori and Terry will have nine catches for 122 yards and a touchdown, and they'll lose by two touchdowns or three touchdowns. So that's just – he's a good player, though. I don't want to diminish what Mike Mickens has done because I mean, he's clearly made an impact in recruiting. And I mean, Brian Kelly has talked about enough that he's made an impact on the football field. But, you know, when we first saw the film of Nick McLeod, Mike Mickens had nothing to do with, with what uh, McLeod had done previously at NC state. That, that, that's a ready-made starting corner that walked in here to Notre Dame. I believe that Clarence Lewis is a guy that was advanced when he walked in, but, 
have to totally agree with you, Pete. I mean, you got to give credit to the coach bringing more out of him. Bracey, I would if he's if he played as well and is as good as Pro Football Focus indicated. Um, I would give probably give more credit to Mike Mickens for him than any of those three. You know, uh, the, or among those three, I should say. It's tough when you talk about. I mean, it's but both of it's going to be the style they play, who they play against, his recruiting. Because did you give Todd Light some credit for bringing along well, Troy, Troy Pride and Julian Love? I yeah, mean, absolutely. They, just those yeah. guys. I mean, it's, not to diminish. I mean, the biggest difference between Light and Mickens is recruiting. Yeah, I mean, Julian mm-hmm. Love and Troy Pride are going to be a better duo of corners than we see at Notre Dame through Brian Kelly's tenure. Probably just they play. They're undefeated on a great defense. <laughs> it was, they were really good. It was a first-team All-American, almost unanimous, plus a fourth-round draft pick. It's never one thing. It's never no. one or the other. We, we always try to make these, these kind of comparisons one or the other. It's a, it's a combination. I mean, if they weren't good players, Mike Mickens would, couldn't, yes. bring, out, couldn't, no, couldn't right. bring out the you – know, I mean, maybe could bring out the best of them, but we wouldn't necessarily be saying that they're good players. Uh, by the same token, you know, Mickens is – we know he's tenacious and he gets yeah. after and he's a good football coach. So it's a nice combination. We're I tell you what, to... I, I don't mean to interrupt Tim. I would say the person, the coach that has made the biggest influence on this season and his players is Lance Taylor. The way those guys run, they were all guys, just guys coming into the season. And we talked about how fun they are to watch run right now. These were all just guys, Jags, the word, the scouting term. Now three of them are super fun to watch. And Jafar Armstrong has found a role. Like Tyree yeah. Flemister and Kyron Williams are fun runners. Right. Again, I would give him credit for Williams and Flemister. I yeah, mean, well, Tyree's yeah. really good. He got Tyree Ty- ready, though. I mean, no, he got, you're right. You're right. But I mean, like in, in order of listing who he got, who he had the greatest influence on, although it sounded like what Kyron Williams' mom during the pandemic yeah, that's good food for Kyron, and that's how he lost his weight. Notre Dame. Matt Bayless and Nordame couldn't get Kyron Williams lose weight. It was Kyron's mother. Pete, you had the insight into this. You said you got to teach a lot of guys how to eat, right? You, you talk yeah. to people about that. That's... No, it's like the, there are a lot of players that show up here and they're like, unlimited food? <laughs> what happens when you get unlimited food? It's not good. But uh, they do But they do try to teach Unlimited bad nutrition. food. It's, it's, yeah, it's unlimited good food. <laughs> but, like, there's there's an adjustment to that. So, well, the Kyra, the Kyra, you know, I still, I, I, I kept saying, well, I want to see Kyron Williams do it. And, and he, he's shown it and he's legit. And I totally agree. But if he doesn't change his body from last year, he's not doing this. He just isn't. Yeah. I, I mean, I love his determination, the way he plays the game, but he was not physically prepared to play last year. Or may we, not have been in the spring. If, are we allowed to compliment Jeff Quinn for the offensive line players? Is that, is that allowed? Well, I uh, yes, you're allowed to do that, okay. and I and I think um, I would give Tommy Reese some credit there too in saying this is what we're going to do. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, they're playing. They're the best unit on the team, but we all thought the off- the running backs were like, ugh, what do they have a running yeah. back? No one well, looked I at mean, the offensive line and was like, ugh, what do they have an offensive line? I mean, they have makes, 27 four-stars. It's, I mean, what makes running backs look good? Yeah, right. it all, oh, yeah, there's again, no doubt. It all ties in, man. Coaching, conditioning. Losing, losing bad weight. It all ties in, man. It all contributes to it. We're going to end with a question from Bear Down R. What am I supposed to do to fill the void Saturday? I'm Where going apple live? picking. Yeah. Where do you live? If you live in uh, the, by the beach, go to the beach. 
I would like to do that. Apple picking. Where are you going to Jolly Pete? Is that the place? Uh, somewhere up in Michigan. I'm not. I don't know the name. I, I don't want to disclose my location. No, that's true. Uh, if you <laughs> are Apple idea. picking, if you are Apple picking in Michigan, there is a taco stand, and it's in Coloma, off of the exit of 94. That is yeah. some of the best authentic street tacos, steak tacos you will ever find. And I say yes to apple picking anytime somebody asks me because I say as long as we go right here and get some tacos. Good stuff. Okay. Filing and this away. Thank you very much. Yes. Also, apple cider floats for the kids or maybe for, for you guys. You never know. Well, I, uh, I will be uh, framing out the basement of my home that I moved into last year that I haven't gotten to yet. So if Bear Down R has nothing to do and wants to fill the void... <laughs> He can come. He can come over and help me because I don't really don't know what the hell I'm doing. But I'll I'm be actually one of my best friends got engaged to uh, one of my best friends. It's their second wedding for both of them. I was in her wedding and he was in my wedding. And I was in his wedding and I'm going over to their house for a uh, new house, in New Buffalo. Pete, one of your areas, favorite areas as well, Ooh, up to New Buffalo right. for a little small party. I will mask up in case I see any Notre Dame football players to protect to protect myself, not them. But uh, yeah, New Buffalo. <laughs> And no, as far as football, football game, I, I definitely want to see Florida State at Miami, which may, yeah, yeah. I, it may or may not be a good game, but I want to see it. Louisville, Pittsburgh, and then SEC football. I want to see Florida against Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss team. It'd be fun. Um, kind of curious what Alabama looks like against Missouri with like twelve players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be. <laughs> That's that's an unfortunate situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so a little bit of apple picking. Well, definitely. That's that's a 10 a.m. to 11:30 a.m. kind of activity. Yeah. Oh, swim lessons not going well. Charlie is not a fan. That is uh, that is a problem. So <laughs> well, the crying can, will start tonight on Thursday can, for Saturday morning. Charlie and I have something in common. <laughs> we do. Thanks for joining us for Irish Illustrated Insider Insider. Uh, Jack, are we coming back on Monday? Not sure that that makes a whole lot of sense right now. So uh, we will come back a week from today. We'll be in to October by then. We appreciate you joining us on Irish Illustrated Insider. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.